0: Welcome to Electronically Yours with Martin Ware. Hi, it's Martin here, Electronically Yours, as always. Uh, Well, this was a lovely interview that I've just done. It's uh, with Sarah and Chris from Dubstar. Uh, And I have to admit, I wasn't totally familiar with their work but having done a lot of research about their stuff i'm a big admirer of their songwriting and they are absolutely charming people there's a lot of kind of intelligence going on behind the songwriting and intelligent pop as i mentioned in the interview is becoming a an endangered species so here they are dubstar Let's start with um, growing up, where you grew up, and uh, let's start with you, Sarah.
1: I'm Yorkshire, Halifax. Yeah,
0: Yorkshire, Yorkshire, (laughs) Yorkshire. whereabouts?
1: Halifax. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: I didn't see that mentioned anywhere. Oh, Halifax, well, I'm Sheffield, of course, so um, very happy about that, so we're off on the right foot. Um, And uh, how about you, Chris? Um, I'm from
2: uh, Gateshead in Tyne and Weir. so you know people tend to. I mean, people know where Gateshead is nowadays more than they did back back then, um, because we have the Sage and uh, you know the Baltic Arts and things like that. Gateshead's become a bit like a bit like uh, Salford is in Manchester. You know, it's like the south side of the river where everything's a little bit more ardy, even though yeah, it used or, to be considered. Or, the, or, the, or, yeah, or, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah,
0: you know. yeah. So.
2: Yeah, used to be the the poor sibling of Newcastle, but we've got a bit of an identity these days.
0: Well, I was invited by my friend Raj Patel, who was the acoustic designer for The Sage. Yeah. uh, Yeah. When it was being built and when it was a hard hat site. Yeah. To have a look at it and it was describing how it was going to have all these beautiful wooden panels with rotating baffles and all. I'm going, sounds great. I performed at The Sage a couple of times. And um, been to see other concerts there. I love the stage, and you know, I was big friends with um, Ros Rigby, who used to be the creative director or whatever. So, yeah, I've got a, co- a bit of a contact with Gateshead, and they hate it when you call it Newcastle, don't they? Oh, my yeah.
2: <laughs> well, but they was, they tried to rebrand the whole region as Newcastle Gate said one word at one point, and I, I think that really rubbed people up the wrong way. And, and actually, they don't like the fact that the Sage has changed its name to the Glass House now. You know, what? people. Oh, I Yeah, see. it's been rebranded as the Glass House because they want to create a bigger site sort of next door to it, which they want to call the Sage more than they want to keep calling that one the Sage, if you can get your head around that. No,
0: um, I can't get my head around that. I think no, it is. But, um, yeah. Okay, so um, while we're on you, Chris, tell us about growing up in Gateshead
2: now. Uh, Well, you know, I had a pretty normal uh, life in Gateshead. I went to a normal comprehensive school there. I say normal, it was quite unusual in that we had an unusually high tally of fatalities. But uh, but, um, there's also quite an unusual number of people who went on to do things in... Public life. Uh, Paul Gascoigne, for instance, Gaza went to our school. Uh, Jill Halfpenny, the, the actress, um, and uh, you know, I went to nursery with John Wilson, who is the conductor of the London Symphonias that some of you might oh, have right. heard of, and uh, he's one of the most successful orchestral conductors in the world right now. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it was kind of remarkable in an unremarkable way. I'd right. have to say.
0: And Sarah.
1: I'm only child. Uh, yeah.
0: Oh, that explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> That's right, Glenn's an only child. That's the only reason I say that.
1: Ah, right. Okay.
0: Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, to have to be sorry about it. I'm always teasing him about, you know, <laughs> it. felt vested a anyway.
1: Oh, my mum and dad tried very hard not to spoil me.
0: All right, fair enough. That's fair enough. That's so, it go
1: yeah. Comprehensive. I can't think of any notables that went to my school, particularly. No, I
0: can't. Well, t- t- tell me about uh, when you started taking interest in music then. At
1: school. Ooh. I remember the piano uh, in, in assembly. I was kind of pulled to one side and uh, I remember being sort of taken to the piano and made to sing notes. And then I was packed off to play the violin somewhere. I don't know why that came about, but it was just you—you—you you, you go and play the violin.
0: They're so just testing whether you've got an ear, because yeah. you can't play the violin without an ear. Yeah,
1: but then uh, I realized I, I liked singing, and I couldn't play the violin and sing at the same time.
0: Uh, but, um, so when when was your uh, as a child? When was your singing debut? Oh. Well, a child <laughs> or early teens or whatever.
1: Uh, It was a child, and it was just it was at a a church youth club, and I was obsessed with the Beatles, and I had a Beatles club with my friend, and we had I'd I'd, I'd written out membership books, and uh, and we used to um, sing Beatles songs, and I I could harmonise, but my friend couldn't, so I did the backing vocals and she did the lead vocals, and we won a prize, we won a bag of jelly pots each, at the church, it was like a church talent show thing. Right, how old were you? About seven.
0: Oh God bless
1: you. <laughs>
0: what was your mate called? Joanne. Joanne, good old Joanne.
1: You like Paul McCartney, and I like George Harrison. And what did you sing? Uh, we sang Help.
0: And what was your favourite Beatles song?
1: Oh, blimey, O'Reilly. I don't know. It'd probably be I'll Follow the Sun. I think.
0: Oh, how sweet! This explains a lot as well from <laughs> songs that I've been listening to. Um. Chris, what was your first engagement with the world of music?
2: Well, Crumbs, well, there was a lot of music in the house when I was little. Neither of my parents were musicians, but they played a lot of records, seemingly day and night. Um, There was a lot of Roxy music, Kate Bush, The the Carpenters, and and ABBA. All the above. Yeah, which is, I mean, I feel very fortunate that I was exposed to that stuff because it, it, it's all very interesting, sophisticated and immersive kind of music. And then I got a, when I was about five that at Christmas, I was given from Father Christmas, a, uh, a one of these Bontempi organs, which has the fan in the back. You could hear it. I could hear the fan going from nice. when I got up on Christmas morning. Used to have a bit on the left hand side where you could play entire chords with one finger, you know. and That's
0: my kind of vibe. Yeah, and I, but
2: I found that I kind of was mind there expanding. Is a finger. Of... <laughs> yeah, and then uh, I guess I was seven when I started playing acoustic guitar, and I'd be I was I definitely identify as a guitar player since then. Um, although you know I obviously like to dabble with the keys as well to this day.
0: So. Did you um? Why do you think you were more attracted to the guitar?
2: I think it's just the immediacy. The, 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 there's something about it. it. becomes an extension of your physicality in a way that... I'm, I'm sure that, you know, you, when people who are great at playing the piano and really can make the feelings just flow straight through their hands and it all comes out sounding like it does in their head. I just find that the, the guitar felt like it was just an extension of my body uh, straight away. That was like almost... As soon as I picked one up, I kind of knew how it worked.
0: Well, it's Um, much easier to, uh, I mean, it's not easy to form the chords and it hurts your fingers a bit and all that stuff, but it's much easier to be expressive on a guitar.
2: Yeah, perhaps.
0: On a keyboard, until you get very good on a keyboard. Which I have done, by the way, so. um,
2: Yeah, so as a child, I I guess that's more appealing, perhaps, quickly.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Because I tried, you know, I went through the whole thing of, uh, the mistake I made was when I first got some money, went to school, uh, went to work, I thought I want to be in a band, you know. So I bought a Gibson SG copy. Oh, yeah. But what I didn't realize at the time was they had very light steel strings, mm. uh, which actually were quite physically, and they had a very high action because it was cheap. Oh, <laughs> So it was like really like
2: cheese wires on
0: your fingertips. Yeah, cheese exactly. And I should have started with something a bit easier, really. But anyway, anyway, put me off for life. And I'm here today, so there you go. Um, I tell tell us about the Jones. Oh, right well the, the Jones uh, don't be bored a bit here but I'm completely disorganized so I apologize
2: yeah I mean the Jones I guess started in about 1991 or two but there was it was like a fluid membership there was there was me and dubstar's original programmer, Steve um and then other people came and went Sarah ultimately joined now we, we were doing We were doing songs which ended up being in in the first Dubstar album, such as like Stars and Not Somatic Now and things like that. But um, at the time, uh, Steve, the first programmer, was doing most of the singing. Um, But Sarah joined the Jones and she started to sing the occasional song in the set. And, uh, you know, towards the end of the set, she would do a couple of songs, often like a cover of The Velvet Underground, Sunday Morning or something like that. And then, but it became really quite instantly apparent that the the small following that we did have really liked Sarah. And um, they just, she she stole the show, as it were. Um, And it wasn't very long before we had the conversation where we thought Sarah should be the the full time singer of of the, the group. So that uh, nutshell is the Joe's story, would you say? <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> and uh, so, um, interestingly, that kind of parallels with um, uh, when Vice Versa became ABC. Right. Because originally Mark White was the singer, hmm. and then Martin Fry came in originally as a keyboard player and a backing vocalist, hmm. did a couple of songs, and everyone went, hold on a second. Right. Um, this is something different, and that's when they evolved into ABC and he began releasing it. Mark very generously stood back.
1: Mm.
0: God bless him.
2: Yeah. Do, 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 do you know ABC at all? Have you ever met them? Yeah. No. Yeah. I, well, I, well. Oh, you, I, I mean, I know them well, um, the music well. but yeah. I was in a restaurant in Camden and I saw Martin Fry at a table nearby and I was quite excited to see him. Um, but, I
1: think I saw Martin in Starbucks that time when we went to London. And we, stayed, as and we well. stayed at the Britannia, and I'm sure I saw Martin in the Starbucks on England's Lane as well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. All of My Heart's one of my favorite singles of all
0: time. Oh, it's beautiful. I yeah. Love that. I used to live near England's Lane, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so, um, I just want to have a, a rather than just make it a kind of generic biography, in in, uh, in 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 uh, in kind of chronological order, I just want to talk to you about your songwriting because I think it's really good. Pills before swine, in fact, I'd say. <laughs> no. Nice. Um, and there's a kind. Of, there is, of course, a thread that runs through it all, which is this: the whole Stephen Hague thing with. Uh, yeah, you know, that that style of production and the parallel with Pet Shop Boys, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and all that stuff. Funnily enough, I'm not a massive fan of Pet Shop Boys. Interestingly, I mean, I respect them, but I don't. It, it doesn't touch me. Whereas, in a similar vein, a lot of your stuff does. Oh
3: wow! And,
0: and the reason for it is the kind of. I've always been a big fan of kind of happy, sad songwriting. That kind of cusp of the cold Porter, Major to Minor, you know. Mm. And uh, when I was doing research for this, I was listening to Hygiene Strip, and I just think I had it on repeat for about an hour. I just think it's such a beautiful song. Oh, thanks. Uh, And that's without seeing the video. I saw the video a bit later, but um, I just think it's a beautiful metaphorical pre coeur, thats the word. That's the phrase. It, it, it means
2: an awful lot of me that you, you you zeroed in on that one because that's the one from the last record which I'm most proud of. Um, we... Yeah, because just from a from a writing perspective, I really felt like we we got we managed to get where we were been trying to go for a very long time in terms of this well, the song.
0: Let me tell you, I think it's a kind of timeless piece of work. So yes. I think, to me, having listened to the whole kind of timeline of your work i think um uh, it feels like a, a really accomplished kind of grown-up piece of work but it, it feels like it could have been made at any time many and i think in 10 years time or 20 years time people will still be, you know i mean of course it depends on how famous you are but <clears> you know <throat> i think people i think it would still sound appropriate at that point it's kind of got a timeless quality is what i'm saying
2: Thanks. I mean, you, you often, you know, you can get excited about a song that you're working on, and and you you hope that this is one that people will will like. Every now and again, you get really lucky, and you can kind of tell straight away that this is good, you know. And I remember feeling that like that about that that song because, well, for for instance, at the time when when I was writing it, it was the height of the lockdowns and the first round of the pandemic and stuff, and and I was making it. I was when like my wife and kids were sleeping upstairs to avoid disturbing them. I was creating like a tracking floor in the kitchen downstairs every night, taking MIDI controllers, down computers and guitars, and trying to quietly make this record. And I I was I'd I'd done a guide vocal for what Hygiene's trip is. And, and I thought I'd got it. I was like, this is good. I packed everything up. I'm quite, like Santa Claus. I'm going up the stairs with all the gear under me, like, trying not to wake people up. And then suddenly the middle eight come in my head, you know, the and I hate to eat. And I thought, oh, no, I'm going to have to <laughs> go back and boot everything up again because I didn't want to forget it because I, I realised that that part was going to be the difference between a good song and a really great yeah. one. And um, so it was worth, you know, it's like 3, or 3 a.m. or something. I finally the version of it off to sarah right on the and email. You, so
0: forgive me sarah did you uh write help write the lyrics or was this all chris
2: not
1: really chris is the genius <laughs> no well no
2: to be fair to you though sarah i mean on, on on yeah i mean on hygiene's trip i think that one was pretty much all me but um in terms of the you know the, the song part i guess but but you very often, though, Sarah does contribute uh, to the lyrics because when I, when I send Sarah an idea for a song, I often uh, have got, like, placeholder words. Or, you know, I, I, yeah, I yeah. usually when I haven't got something, I'll often replace it with something that's a bit silly or funny. And, and she will immediately know that that's the bit where she can maybe swing into action. Because often something that'll come to her which I've I've missed you know when when she hears it and she's she can complete a picture like that there's some songs like on the previous album one uh, on Waltz number 9 where you know she managed to see what the song was about in a way that I couldn't and the, the bit the the couple of lines that she added was the eye of the duck which completed the picture you know <laughs> so so she, she definitely does contribute to lyrics um for sure and sometimes her 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 way of singing it will will inform the way that the melody turns out as well, you know.
0: And uh, tell me about your relationship with um, Stephen Hayes then. Are uh, you Sarah?
1: Oh, we text most most, yeah, a couple of times a week actually. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. So usually with TV suggestions and stuff, he's always like, you know, watch Poker Face. That was his tip for last year. Uh, An excellent one. Uh, uh,
0: <laughs> but um, I, I mean, uh, the reason I ask is because, to me, there's a there's something magic about the um, the unit of three as a collaboration, and that, that most of the, in fact, I'd say almost all of the um, the work that I've done that's been successful has been a team of three. And usually, obviously, it's complementary, interlocking skills, you know. So um, I'm just curious about... Because, Sarah, I think that, you know, obviously, Chris does a lot of songwriting and stuff. But I'm curious about how you you bring it to life uh, from an emotional perspective. Um, I feel like I'm doing that, that. What's that actor? The actor's studio. <laughs> it just came to me. Then I'm like that twat, that American. Twat. <laughs> um, but I am curious about it because some people have a, a a real talent for connecting with, you know, with with the listener, and I think you've got that. Oh, thank you. Um, do you feel like you have? You got imposter syndrome?
1: Yes. I mean I, I felt that I could I couldn't sing when I was a child growing up because I thought that Aretha Franklin was yeah. what singing looked like or Whitney Houston. Mm. And it wasn't until I listened to Astrid Gilberto and Sinead O'Connor that I thought, oh, maybe, maybe there's there's a this there's a space for me somewhere. Um, and I mean oh god, I mean Sinead bless her. I mean she she was just like she mainlined emotion. But I'm I'm. I don't like people that sort of twiddle with the voices and do... Oh, un- no. I just, on. And, and I'm lucky enough that Chris's words are so beautiful that I just, they just connect with me anyway. They just, I just shut my eyes and just open my gob and out it comes, really.
0: So, sorry to keep hammering on about this songwriting thing, but it is really your strong suit as far as I'm concerned. The... The 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 clear sense of narrative that you have oh it's that bloke again in that program the clear yeah. sense of narrative you have in in a lot of your songs is such an appealing thing but you always leave enough singing as a songwriter myself talking as songwriter uh, it, the trick is to leave enough wriggle room for people to populate it with it's their themselves. own experience.
1: yeah yeah
0: and there are it's a really it's a dying art. In my view, um, unfortunately, it's now left to a lot of kind of country and Western singers and stuff, um, which is not my taste. But, you know, it's it, it's still respected in America, but in the UK, it seems the charts are just full of generic stuff. So, what, What? who are your favorite? All right, I'll start with you, Chris. Who, who are your favorite songwriters?
2: Oh, crumbs. Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, you Know all of the main ones, you know. I used to, like I said, I used to love the, the rocky music stuff, and yeah. I love Brian Ferry's the, the lyrics in those songs, um, and the Kate Bush stuff. Uh, you know, I, I really loved the Smiths in the mid 80s, uh, Morrissey and Ma, you know, I, I loved all that. Um, I loved the the Beatles, uh, and and ABBA, I I, I, I get got all of that. Um, What's your
1: favorite
2: ABBA song? Like, do you know what? Um, Oh right. That, that, that's tough. I'm, I'm gonna say it's the visitors uh. Yeah, right, right oh now. interesting. Uh, the, the minute it is. You know, it has been for a little while. It did you know I I I would have said SOS. And for some reason when I heard that when I was a kid, that's just the chords are amazing. Oh it's beautiful. Uh, yeah, I mean just really I I still get a real lift from that. Um they're just brilliant pop music. Uh, so I
0: like Lay All You Love On Me. That's my favourite. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's such an amazing song. And well, yeah. production, actually, as much as the song works. Uh, Sarah, what about you?
1: I like The Day Before You Came. Because it's just I, the, it's the detail in that. And you just think, English isn't their native language. And yet they've got all these incredible, like, very dated references, but like the book she's reading, it was it Harold Robbins or something? I can't remember. But it's its just like, it's just, so I, I, I just loved that. I and did I think,
0: a cover version of that for BEF, actually, with yeah. a singer called David J. Rock from Sheffield. It's really good, actually. Um, the Day Before he Came, yes.
1: Yeah. I think it's wonderful. Yeah, anyway... Um, I wept when I went to see the show. It was just oh yeah, what, overwhelmingly the... amazing. I just I just spent most of it in tears. I was new
0: was... show, you mean? Yeah, yeah. All right, is it really good?
1: Yeah, it's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Just from like the the emotional perspective, you know, oh, you, you're a kid and you're singing along with them, and your voice is melding with theirs, and it's just like oh my god, it's just amazing.
0: Well, this is interesting so because when we started the Human League it was ABBA were as uncool as it was possible to be for the, you know, for the enemy crowd and all that stuff. But uh with me and Phil and Ian being contrarians, we used to go on and on and on about ABBA and their songwriting. And because it was all disco is dead at that point, you know, and um, it was all white guitar bands, you know, and, um, I'm quite proud of the fact we stuck to our guns and now they're legends, aren't they?
1: Absolutely. Not that they
0: need my endorsement, but uh, there you go. Um, so, hold oh, on, I'm keeping my notes here. Yeah, it's, so the, just going back to Hygiene Strip for a second. Mm. Sadness and nostalgia, I think, in equal proportions in that song, which I really love the fact mm. that it, 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 it modulates to a kind of not fully major chorus yeah kind of like the sun coming out from behind the clouds and then it's back just, i just, yeah. just love that i think it's beautiful i mean i only ever really as a songwriter achieves that once i think would let me go to be honest um no thanks
2: yeah i mean i, I wanted to on that song for the in the when the chorus hits it, it's very claustrophobic in the verses and feels very close and tight and I really wanted it to sound when the chorus hits, like Sarah is kind of floating above the the strip, and you could really feel, the, the, like the, the oxygen rushed into the scene. Um, so to try and do that with chords, but also with the production, was like a, a real. Well, it, we me, me you and Stephen, up,
1: Hicks, you? you you stepped it up ever so slightly, and it just there's
2: a lot of up modulations and up and up
1: and, and, up and, up and up. Nice, like, like an old um, Hollywood musical as well. Stephen was like, you know, to, we'll take it up, so it was like well, because we had to
2: have you, we had to, we had to have you sing it, but like in five different ways, different keys, and you know, it, it took. I think that's the most time I've ever spent on trying to get the keys right and all the different parts. There's,
0: for, a lot, voice. there's a lot of musical intelligence going on in that song, and it's evident to anybody who understands, you know, songwriting. Yeah. Um, what do you feel about songwriters like, you know, Jimmy Webb, I suppose? Is,
2: oh, you know, yeah. I mean, I I love Wichita uh, Lyman yeah, I and mean, things like that think the word, by yeah. the time I get to Phoenix. So, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I could have mentioned him earlier when you were asking about yeah, that. yeah.
0: For and sure. uh, I suppose Bert Bacharach, although he's turned out to be a bit of a twat, but no speaker loves the dead. But um,
2: yeah, but I, I definitely, yes, I do love uh, Anyone Who Had a Heart and um, things like that. You know, a lot of the stuff that Dionne uh, Warwick sang is oh, amazing
0: mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. I did a cover version of um, Anyone Who Had a Heart with with Sandy Shaw. And, you know, because uh, Sandy Shaw and Cilla Black were like rivals. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at that period. And then when I first suggested it to Sandy, she said, "Oh, I you know, I mean, it was like really hackles Rose, but then yeah. she said, right, I'm going to show her how it should have been done. And I think it actually is better. I'm not a big fan yeah. <laughs> kind of Scylla's voice, to be honest. No, I, I don't know what
2: to do with myself Is another big favourite of mine from Oh, that's amazing.
3: And
0: Dusty Springfield again. and all that. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, Dusty. Anyway, um, and this thing about – there's something about northern songwriters, and that it's a bit of a massive generalisation. But um, I've just finished an album with um, Kate Jackson from The Long Blondes. She's We've done a completely electronic album together. She's gone solo now. and um, And a lot of her lyrics – are about this kind of hybrid of kind of kitchen sink and universal themes as a kind of co metaphor. I think is really uh, that's the way I describe it. That kind of domestic drama. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there's a certain element of that uh, in your work that that um, I I I find. What What do you think about that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think you, th- having that kind of lyrical imagery is a, is a really good. Uh, Device, if, if you introduce an, an image which is something which is quite mundane that everybody's familiar with, you can use that as kind of like a portal to slip in the other feelings much more expeditiously in the slipstream of that image. That's
0: very so, well put. You thats you should write that down. <laughs>
2: so that I'm type, I've, I've never.
0: Reported. It's fine. No, I've never really thought really about re-explated. it before. Yeah, that would I've never really thought about it before.
2: But that's like why, you know, I mentioned in hygiene strips that I hate the way you look at my shoes, you know. I love and that laugh. And then because that everything that follows that, you know, you, it, it, it it exposes your listener's heart to whatever you want to do next a little bit.
1: It's like the glass in Lighthouse. The image yeah. of the glass. That, that's mm-hmm. what sort of sucks me into it. That right?
0: metaphor, yeah. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. It's a bit like um, comedians. And it's a cliché and they go, uh, you know, in fact, it's become such a cliché, they use it as a joke in their acts normally. They go, all you've got to do, you know, to get the audience on the hook is mention a brand name. <laughs> if you are an Oz bar or, you know, Tide washing powder, yeah. it always gets a, a kind of a tingle of recognition in people. Yeah. And they're off.
1: Gloria Wood was the genius yeah. of that. About-
0: Yeah, Yeah. but that's all she did. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm feeling a bit naughty today. I do apologize. (laughs) Um, Politics. Anybody interested in that?
1: Oh, God. (laughs) I know
0: it's a a difficult and uh, horrific subject at the moment, but I just thought I'd mention it. I won't dwell on it. You know what my views are. So... uh,
2: I suspect that we have a lot in common. Yeah. Not just leave it that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like you know, as, as an ethos, we've always tried to avoid talking about uh, Fair enough. politics yeah. too much. But but uh, you know, I suffice to say I think that we probably wouldn't fall out very much.
0: No,
1: okay. <laughs> we need a lot, more, a lot more love in the world, a little less division. You know. Yeah. Oh God! The voices need to start healing and not dividing for their own. Well,
0: unfortunately, you know, we're looking at uh, Epstein Island, aren't we? At the rumours. Uh, yes, once are. You, what, what, once uh, people are blackmailable, anything's possible. And that's, yeah. what, that's what that's all about. Um,
2: They're going out of their way to avoid mentioning that, though. It's, it's the thing with Epstein is that they they like to talk about him as, as the, the disgraced financier. But they, they tend to be doing a merry dance to avoid talking about the bigger picture, which is what you were just touching on there, Martin, you know.
0: It's a, that's what the aisle, It's a giant blackmail machine. It's
2: a big honey trap,
0: yeah. A, a giant honey trap for paedophiles. What yeah. a grim concept. Anyway, uh, oh. let's move on to something more cheerful. Mm. Um, there are certain things about, you know, I've talked about how much I like your songwriting and stuff. Now... Intelligent pop is a endangered species as far as I'm concerned. Um do you have any tips of current artists that you really like? Oh crumbs.
2: My mind always goes blank on that question. Yeah, mine too, by the way. Yeah. Um I must I mean I must admit, uh, you know, in terms of the the current music thing, I find myself looking a little bit more at some of the mainstream things rather than like always looking towards the Indian sort of uh, newbies. I mean, I've, 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 for instance, I've, I've never heard a Miley Cyrus song that I didn't like. Um, <laughs> I usually enjoy that stuff when it comes to uh, you know I, I like Dua Lipa, you know. Um, yeah,
1: I do too. Do you I know do. what I mean? Lana I mean, Rey.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, none of these people are particularly new. I'd have to say. I mean, now they've been around a few years, but um, but. I find myself more interested in what those artists are doing at the moment than any kind of, of the fresh out of college acts that I've heard recently. I, I think there's, a, there's a, a, a woeful lack of great guitar music anymore. Um, it, it used to be a time when there was always, um, and by by which I mean great guitarists. Uh, you know, I mean, where are the, where is the current Johnny Marr or, or John Squire? Or who, do you know what I mean? I, I mean... I'm not a, a huge rockist sort of lover of of ha- having guitar heroes, but I think having a really melodic, very musical, a great guitarist in a group can, is transformative, especially to this, the songs. And uh, I just I don't see w- where they are. If, if all of the sort of indie guitar bands are around there, I'm thinking, like, well, Okay, so where are the great guitar players?
0: Yeah, I was um, when I was doing research for this. I, um, One of my favourite things comes up. You know, Facebook recommends things based on your preferences and everything that. So that that live version of Comfortably Numb with Bowie and... uh, Uh, I mean, the guitar sound for Dave Gilmore, who I've met a few times, is really... It's always amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Incredible. I mean, but it's pure melody. Yes. That's the thing. I mean, the sound is very attractive. But he's form of expression there's nothing kind of yeah he's not just shredding about it it's about it's about about engaging the spirit you know that's right um anyway so uh, for those who haven't seen that you should go and find it on youtube um i want to talk about client oh
1: okay
0: i know this is dub mainly but uh let's talk about (laughs) client um how did that come about i saw you perform by the way did you I did. You supported um, you. You did a couple of support tours, didn't you? We and did I...
1: Ladytron, Erasure, Carl. Bach. Erasure.
0: It was on the Erasure yeah. tour. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Very good.
1: Basically, I was sat on the sofa being depressed after the end of Dubstar, and I got i i i, had, uh, I got a phone call, and it was from Mike Smith at EMI and he just went on. Oh the woman from Technique's looking for a singer, would you be interested? I was like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says that they're going to support Depeche Mode and the singer's dropped out. I was like, what? Wow. <laughs> so it was literally off my sofa and then shoved onto stage in front of, uh, I think it was 45, no, 38,000.
0: Holy shit.
1: Screaming Depeche Mode fans in Warsaw and, and Depeche hadn't played there for about 10 years. So there was an absolute state of hysteria. And uh, I remember Andy Fletcher taking me to one side before we went on stage, and he said, "Sarah, they might throw. Uh, they might throw things. So he said, if they throw if they throw coins, stand still because you know it, it it will hurt it. You know. And he said, uh, but if they throw shit, run.
3: <laughs>
1: like, All right. And and then with that, he just shoved me on stage, and I was like, ah!
2: oh, and God, then, you don't then, need then, that. Then, yeah.
1: And that, and that was the warm-up gig for Leipzig, which was 145,000 people, which was just incredible. And, and and there was one person on the front row and they had a little banner with Sarah on it.
0: <laughs> oh, that's nice.
1: So lovely. I was like, oh, my goodness. Because we, we we just went on and we, we just thought, you know, we're there to, to entertain. We are there. You know, we're not there to, you know, make a name for ourselves or anything like that. It was just like we're there to entertain because people have been waiting eight hours, 10 hours to get to the front row. You know, they just, so we just left absolutely like a second between each song. We just went bam, 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 bam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 45 minute set on, off, knew our place and we had a great time and it was the most yeah it was phenomenal and they kept asking us back it was really nice we were booked for two gigs and then they said oh do you fancy coming to frankfurt with us do you fancy and and it was so it was just lovely and and i remember we went to russia with them and they said how are you getting between moscow and st petersburg and we went oh we're going to get the overnight train they went no you're not you're coming on the jet with us (laughs) that was just and then after that we just yeah we went on the jet with them and it was amazing
0: There's, um, I mean, you know, with Hem and Seventeen, it's just me and Glenn now, and uh, and three girls. Well, Mm. not girls, women. Um, We call them the girls. And um, I'm a big believer in female energy on tour because I think it's um, it makes me feel happier being around women. Always have done since being a kid. Actually, I don't like that big macho band thing at all. At all. I probably wouldn't have ever carried on doing it all this time if you want for the kind of. Uh... Yeah, anyway. So, uh, yeah. I, why, I, I,
1: I think you're right with that because I think I, I remember we did a, a coach tour. We were on a tour bus with two other bands with Coven and, and like Rottersand. They were like, you know, uh, sort of uh, Scandinavian bands, and we did like a a, a a month tour with them. And they were so happy when we came on the bus because we, we got on the bus and it stank of feet. And I, and we got oh. a bin bag and we chucked all the dirty trays in, in the in the in the bag and we put it to the back. And then my Jo Malone perfume was sacrificed, and we sprayed lime basil and mandarin all around the back of the bus. And we just had a lovely time with them, and they were really, they were really looked after. Us. And they were like, you know, they let us use the showers first, so we got the hot water, which was lovely. And then, you know, what? But I remember one of them just said, "Sarah, do you have a nail brush I could borrow?" I went, "Of course I do." <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was lovely. I was always there with the sunscreen and whatever, you know. But it oh. was—it was just so nice. They were so nice to us, and we just had such a nice time together. It yeah. That. I
0: think the male thing can be an issue uh, on, on tour. In fact, in the studio, I I'm, I, I never wanted to produce bands after at a certain time because they were dealing with all the politics of all these proto-alpha males was just getting on my tits, frankly.
1: I found it <laughs> quite difficult being the only girl on a tour bus with dubstep. Yeah. I found that quite hard. I, rem- <laughs> I remember being in a dressing room somewhere in Finland, I think it was, and I was trying to have a wash, and I was waiting for my fake hands to dry in the shower cubicle. And you, Chris, were chucking the rider over the top of the thing. Going, Hurry up in there! I, what are you doing?
2: Oh, I can't, I can't remember, so I can only apologise. <laughs> um,
1: I Was going like dried meat. <clears throat> well, we like, we're, what's
2: we're, we're, were really running late, like probably, you know.
1: No, oh, you were just bored of. You just wanted a shower. Yeah, I,
2: I, I, it didn't really suit me touring, to be honest. You know, <laughs> it, it certainly. I felt like uh, I was losing my mind on more than one. Well, you occasion. you went on strike,
1: didn't you? You and you and you and Graham Coxon from Blur, you were having a you were having a a, a competition to see who could grow the longest beard whilst on tour. Oh <laughs>
0: I've
1: <laughs> got the longest. That sounds like you
0: lost your mind.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the thing you, you become Colonel Kurtz very quickly, don't you? <laughs> 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 you
0: know? I felt like that. We did our first American tour last year, and you know, halfway through, I mean, I, I enjoyed. Being on stage, it's all the bit in between that drove you yes. yeah, traveling yes. and everything. have a
1: certain disposition, don't you? Oh yeah.
0: my god, it drove me mad and the girls the girls kind of fell for the whole gummy trip in California and then went quiet for about three days. And I'm going <laughs> I'm on my own wandering around going, What the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> anyway. Um so let's I just want to go, touch on the whole before I move away from this, Sarah. Um, touch on the whole women in music business um, aspect. What what's your view on where where we're at at the moment? I mean, it, it's a it's a difficult thing. I had a long conversation with um, with Ellie from Larue about all this, and she's very keen to be more of an activist in this field and getting like women involved in production, for instance, and giving. That's And uh, what's your view on it all? I mean, do you still feel kind of objectified or?
1: Um, I think it's different as you're ageing, because I think women are judged as they age. Um, I think that's something new to navigate. Um, I mean, I think getting women involved in production is like, that's a fantastic thing. That's really good.
0: something that needs to be encouraged. It, It
1: is. I mean, I remember when we did Client and we started a club And we tried to encourage female bands and female DJs. And that's what we tried to do with our club. But there just weren't enough to go around, um, which was really sad. But I I think there's been a progression from sort of, well, I think it was when Mac actually changed the computers and made them nice colours. <laughs> and and that it just made them more sort of accessible for women i think i mean that sounds horribly sexist doesn't it but i think i think it just did it just made oh you know something rather than like the you know just 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 them being nicely designed and you know yeah. I think like, and 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 sort of in 2002 i think there, there was a female starting to dj cuz daniel miller said to us don't go live yet do some djing first and we were like oh okay so we started a club and started doing some DJing and then there was sort of Miss Kitten around and Peaches and they were like making causing quite a a, a fuss which was really nice and then I think slowly the doors have have opened and people have been more accepting to women in electronic music and now you've got women like you know Hannah Peel doing so well Jane Weaver I really like Jane Weaver I think she's lovely and um, Gwenno as well doing interesting things so I think you know you have got women are starting to be taken serious, a little more seriously. I mean, there's work to be done. There's, you know, room. There's still a lot of headroom there for, you know, women. But I think it it's going in the right direction, certainly. Mm. I mean, I there think- was a lot of sexism around in like, oh the I mean, oh you God. look, I mean, it's very easy to, like, view it all from, you know, a prism, view the past through the yeah. prism now. You know, at the time we thought we were being edgy and we thought that we were playing the boys at our own game, but you look back and you just think, "My God, it was awful! It was absolutely brutal."
0: Mm. I mean, it's very hard for uh, women at that point to change the context. You know, I mean, you can't you can't just click your fingers and go, "Right, I am in within this world going to be your equal," because most of the executives are, are men, mm. people making the decisions are men, yeah. the people making the decisions in the studio are men, so. Yeah. I don't mean that in that respect, but I mean you know. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah there was a, the, the journalists were a lot. There were a lot of more male journalists, yeah. more male photographers. Yeah. You know, um, and I think as women, you can use it to your advantage because you can stand out as a woman. Oh, I
0: agree. I agree completely. And I think you
1: should. You should. You know, we always tried to be like, well, you know, not there's not many women, so we'll, you know, we'll fight. You know, we'll we'll try and stand out. So tell than, us
0: about how Glastonbury came about. Oh, crumbs.
2: <laughs> How it came about? Well, I mean, the previous year—I guess it was nineteen ninety-six—we'd we'd done this headline start at, at Reading, and that was uh, that followed hot on the heels of doing Tea in the Park, which I guess was our first festival as as such. Um, and Glastonbury was just a—you know—it's a rite of passage, isn't it? You, you, when you can, you tend to play it. Um, <laughs> but it just happened to land on that year, which was you know a year of the mud. Yeah, I mean it was actually oh it was it, awful. It, it was like it was like trying to evacuate a war zone getting out of there and and mm. you know you feel like a fool for going into one. Um so it, that that was that was I mean I I remember it being reasonably in, in, enjoyable. I mean I'm I'm not a huge fan of festivals. I never went to an awful lot of them you know as a punter. But I'm, I'm I'm glad that we I'm glad that we did Gl- Gl- Glastonbury. I remember uh, S- S- Steve Winwood had to ev- evacuate our drummer Paul um, at the end because uh, I think he'd wanted to stick around, and, and Sarah and I were going back to Bristol. I think we were supposed to be staying at the Marriott in Bristol afterwards, and Paul had wanted to see more of the festival. So Winwood kindly said that Paul, they, they would <laughs> be responsible for Paul's safe evacuation from the site. But, uh, I, remember I like the word
0: way. evacuation. Please. Well,
2: I say that because it felt like that. I mean, it was just, it really, it was apocalypse now, you know? Right, right, right.
1: I went on, I'm very weather sensitive. So if I'm cold and I'm damp, I'm really not happy and I feel physically uncomfortable. And I think we'd been to Italy and we'd flown in from somewhere hot and I was woefully I didn't have the right clothes at all. And I remember <laughs> we, we stopped at, was it a garage? And we got wellies and we got a cagoule and I was frozen. And I really feel the cold as well. We have like the air conditioning wars in studios where, you know, yeah. one else will turn it up and I'll turn the the, the the air conditioning up and then someone else will turn it down because it's like 26 degrees. You know, and I'm, I'm really, yeah. And, and the weather didn't work for me and it was awful. And I just, I just thought, bugger it, I'm going on stage in my wellies. It's just... Awful.
0: <laughs>
1: me and Joe Strummer, apparently, so that was that's, nice. That's
0: all right, isn't it? Poor
1: and- Beck, poor <laughs> oh, Beck. That was the year he got the, the mud thrown at him because he went on stage in a white suit. Oh,
0: oh, that's probably that's not a good Poor day, boy,
1: man. poor thing.
0: Yeah. Um, were you nervous?
1: Always. Always, always. I nervous. saw
0: the video of it. I was looking at it and it, I thought, it reminded me of uh, when we started the Human League and me and... Me and Phil on stage and Phil used to grab hold of the mic stand yeah. and not shift like oh, yeah. this, I'll yeah. fall over, you know. Yeah. It, it wasn't quite that, but he, he did look a bit nervous. Sounded great, though. Oh, Looked thank better.
1: you. Thank you. Holding yeah. um, a real life to that microphone stand. Yeah. It's always going to be a straight microphone stand as well. I'm very fussy about
0: Oh, yeah, Glenn is so fussy about the microphone stand because he does all that fucking Rod Stewart thing. You know? <laughs> All that up, and on. it's just it's one got to have
1: a solid bass as well, solid round bass,
0: yeah, yeah, that's it, yeah. yeah. So, he uh, yeah, he's 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 just one step short of doing power slides on stage <laughs> <laughs> ever since he ever since he did the holy holy tour, you know, the kind of Bowie tribute thing with Visconti and Woody Woodward, oh. and he was playing, he, he was singing all the songs, he's like turning to a rock god now. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> I have it's, my. Okay, I it's to, quite I good. I quite like it.
1: The
0: same time. Yeah, yeah. I just see. I can see in my mind's eye how it might have gone if we'd decided to tour with early Heaven Seventeen. It would have would have quickly turned into, you know, Depeche Mode. I think <laughs> leathers and <laughs> darkness. <laughs> good name for an album. Yeah. Uh, so okay. So where are we? So stars. What a beautiful song, by the way. Thank right. you. another classic um was that your most successful
2: song well you know it it was um i suppose in the ultimately in the chart position it was one which charted the highest although it, it was it was following hot on the heels from not so manic now which charted slightly lower but it stuck around in the charts for quite a bit longer right so I, I, it's funny i think i think not so manic now is perhaps the song which uh, people who haven't necessarily heard of dubstar have, have nevertheless can remember that song you know it's, <laughs> it it's, it got a lot of uh radio time um so yes Very starts, st-
1: Very
2: um, yeah so but yes i mean that, that first album is the one that we've always struggled to live up to in, commercially you know i mean that we certainly mm-hmm. had our biggest hits i think on, on that first album Interesting. It's, 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 it, you're always in constant uh fight with your past i think when you have a, a, a successful debut albums
0: yeah it's true i mean abc are the classic example of that aren't they yeah but yeah. well, to a certain extent human league mark ii as well you know yeah. I mean, how you're ever going to surpass dare you're never going to yeah end. it's um, still an album yeah yeah um well, uh, so what which of your own songs are Seraphs*? which of your own songs is your is is your favorite
1: do you think? Oh, blimey O'Reilly. Um, I think at the moment it's Love Gathers. Right. That's, mm. that's That's been quite an earworm for me. I sing it off. I find myself singing it in the shower quite a lot. Cool. I just, Absolutely. And I just, I just love the, uh, that's another one with heavy imagery, like baleful clouds and, you know, I, I, it's, and it's great to sing. It comes out of the mouth really well. Yeah. Do you,
0: Sarah, do you have a? um, Do you do a lot of reading?
1: Yes, I haven't for a while because I've been absorbed in politics. But yes, I, 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 Kindles for me were a lifesaver on tour.
0: Right, and uh, so do you feel that? I mean, because if it feels quite. The, your, all your work, and I know Chris, you you do most of the writing and stuff. But it feels like there's a kind of understanding of uh, 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 of language and that goes beyond the average pop group, is what I'm saying. i just
1: yeah. I've I've always been a massive bookworm. I've always got a book in my bag. It was, and I, I think you know, books are essential for touring. Like, so the oh the, yeah, back the in the '90s,
2: you will constantly yeah. had a book in your hand yeah. b- between yeah. shows. Yeah,
1: yeah. Who's your the, favorite author? Chilly Cooper.
0: Ghetto. <laughs> Where's There's
1: your little bugger. I love Jilly. <laughs> Rivals. Yeah. Rival. Well, Rivals is my favourite book, I think. It's the book that I go I go to. You know, if I'm feeling anxious, I'll read Rivals again. That's and it's really interesting, interesting how it's changed because it's got like such casual, like, wife beating in it. And it's just like in the 80s when I first read it, I didn't bat an eyelid. And then suddenly you're reading it and you're like, like, again, looking at it from the prism of now, it's like, oh my God. You know, but it's a, but it's a story. Yeah. yeah. Story of, of teamwork and people coming together to achieve something beautiful. And I'm a very simple person. And I just think we need a bit more of that. <laughs>
0: Enough. Fair enough, fair enough. Chris, what about you? Uh, what was the question again? Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> the question is what's your favorite book?
2: Oh, favorite, favorite. book. Well, I must admit, I must con- confess, I, I only ever read biographies. Um, I read a lot, quite a lot of those. Um, but it's have you read, have you know, you I mean, read mine? Do you know I haven't, but I fully intend to. Yeah, I, I, you I would, I would do, yeah. That's I def- what, definitely on the wish Tom
0: list.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Sarah's got bought me the Britney Spears one for Christmas, actually. I was just, I'm b- busy getting stuck into that. I mean, I I, I don't just read books about, um, you know, my heroes and stuff. I mean, yeah, for instance, yeah. I have about several hundred books about Elvis Presley, you know what I mean? And I don't sit around listening to Elvis all day. But I just, I just find that this story is so biblical and extraordinary that it, it just when you, t- I find myself wanting to get more and more perspectives on it and angles.
0: I um, thought the, um, I thought the film was quite good. I mean, not quite good, very good.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I
0: enjoyed it. I'm well. not a Baz Luhrmann fan at all, but I yeah, that was his masterwork, really.
2: I was ready to be cynical about it, and yeah. but it impressed me. Yeah.
0: Have you, have you seen this, by the way? Oh right! No, I haven't seen that. It's one. really good. Have I a strongly, look. strongly recommend it. It's yeah, yeah. Basically, uh, it was he was writing it as a kind of artwork with a with a, with a co with a co writer. Right. Uh, up until he and he got two thirds of the way through it, and then he popped it, of course. Mm. Yeah. And, um But he's finished it off, and it's it's just got. Um, hundreds and hundreds of photos, private photos and stuff. Oh, Strongly wow. recommend. Strongly. Oh. Um, I really didn't see sorry, it I coming. I keep forgetting it's not a video podcast. But <laughs> the, I'm talking about the print, uh, <laughs> the beautiful ones. It's really good. Quite yeah, popular. check it out. Um, right, we're down to the Smash Hits. We're nearly at the end. Uh, <laughs> down to the Smash Hits questions. Then. What's your favourite film? Sarah, first. Of- what pops into your head.
1: Sound of Music.
0: Oh bless you!
1: <laughs> it's again. It's something that's good that I've grown up with, and it meant something very different to me as a child than it does now. Because the Nazi thing just went over my head as a kid. Yeah. It was just yeah. it was just a singing family, and I used to sing the songs, and I used yeah. to pretend to be Julie Andrews in my back garden. Very
2: nice, very nice. Uh, Chris, it's probably uh, Blue Velvet. I just I really. I love the small town Americana, oh, but with with yeah. the um, um, you know the ambience, the the music, and you know, every, every every movie shot,
0: movie as well.
2: yeah, yeah, and every shot just looks like you could hang it on your, your wall. No, it's a um, great, it's a great film. So I would have to go with with that. I think.
0: Okay, Chris, what's your favorite TV show?
2: Well, leading on naturally from that, probably Twin Peaks. Funny enough, um, I just I just absolutely loved that. For all of the reasons that I just gave for, for Blue Velvet. I mean, I, I know a lot of people tend to moan about, say, you know, that the second season wasn't very good. It's not that the second season wasn't very good, it's just that the first season is probably the best television ever made. You know what I mean? And it's kind of hard to yeah. sort of live up to those kind of standards consistently.
0: Yeah. Have you, um, have, have you, um, well, I, I listen to a lot of audiobooks and uh, biographies, autobiographies. Mm-hmm. Have you listened to his autobiography? No, I haven't. Really. Yeah, you should check it out. It's very, very good indeed. Yeah, I certainly will. Yeah. Uh, read in his own voice because he's got a quite a laconic style. <laughs> yeah. quite a, a bit simple and, of course, he completely isn't. He's yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, Sarah.
1: What was the question?
0: Uh, what was the question? TV, oh, show, oh, no, TV, show. TV
1: show. TV show. TV show, sorry, yeah. Game of Thrones. It was just something ah. I didn't yeah. expect to like um and my my boyfriend was like come on let's watch it let's watch it and i'm like no it's dungeons and dragons with tits i'm not going to watch it no, and then like three minutes in i was absolutely hooked and i've, I've re-watched it the whole lot for a few, quite a few times over
0: matter of interest i've never i really can't get into it but i've watched five ten minutes of it <laughs> i know there are tits but are there any cocks no. There actually is a
2: couple oh, of Oh, yes,
1: there is. Yeah,
0: yeah, you do. I think there are a couple. Yeah, because
2: Sarah forced me literally to watch, to watch Game <laughs> of Thrones because I was very resistant. I just, it yeah, was you not, are, the, yeah. not the kind of thing I ever would have expected. It like, was violence. And, but I must like, admit, I, I, I ended up, it, I, I loved it. It's the characters, I think, ultimately. It's the, the characters, yeah.
0: you know, just get you hooked. Okay. Um, Sarah, what's your favourite book?
1: Rivals. Jimmy Cooper, wow. Alice in Wonderland as well. That's always been yeah. with me as a child. Yeah.
2: Cool. Yeah. Okay, Chris. um Right, yeah. I mean, I would probably go with because I do the biographies. Probably like Albert Goldman's Elvis book. Is you know, even though it's so flawed and everybody hates it, and it's very dark, it's just so readable you can't put it down. And cool. actually, I've read that one a couple of times. Um, but it, it's very hard to pick though. There's there's so many.
0: Yeah. Um, Chris, who's your favorite lyricist? Oh, Crumbs! Mm-hmm. They're that's not meant to be easy. These questions.
2: Yeah, no. that's that's really tricky. I, I mean, was there's...
0: trying to throw a curveball? At...
2: Yes, that's 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 really hard. Crumbs! Can you go with give Sarah that one, then give me a chance to oh, think? No, about oh, it. no! I'm
1: I'm still. Oh. oh can I say? God. Can I can I say Chris?
2: Oh, oh you yeah. <laughs> can. That's that's. That's so beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, there's a time when I probably would have said Morrissey um, right. at one point, but uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. John Lennon's pretty good. Um, I really like uh, Mark Hollis's lyrics, actually. Oh um, yeah. yeah, even yeah. though that some of them can be, seem almost inscrutable. But again, this, this like we were saying before. You know, there's there's enough room there for you to project yourself into it, yep. and I think that is important. Um,
0: yes. Ah, yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, so we'll start this time with Chris. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfulfilled ambition. Oh,
2: right, that's obvious. Which uh, <laughs> probably obvious to Sarah. Now, this is. T- don't judge me, but I I really regret the fact that Sarah and I have not yet done a Christmas song. Um, and it's not wow. it's, it's not because it's not because uh, you know everybody thinks oh it's a money spinner it's like a very reliable revenue uh, stream because every year it comes around or whatever that's that's really not the motivation. It's just because I think when you get a, a good one. I love the fact that it just becomes part of people's lives and, and the the fact that it comes around every year. Um, and you know, because Christmas is such an important and sentimental thing for people. You know, it's about family and you're at home. And to be to be part of that for people, I think would just be an incredibly rewarding thing. Um, I think I would probably be inclined to not go for one which really mentions Christmas very directly. You know, I think like Fairy Tale in New York is. You know, it makes people feel festive, and it, Christmas is mentioned literally, but but it's it's not really about Christmas. Do you know what I mean? Um, I, like I wouldn't.
1: Love by Frankie. Or something. Yeah, the
2: power of love's a perfect yeah. example.
1: Not always when, on my mind by the Pet Shop Boys—that always puts me in the mood for Christmas. Yeah. You know. Okay. Um, so, Sarah, what's
0: uh, your unfulfilled ambition?
1: I'd like to play the Peace Hall in Halifax. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can sort that out for you if you want.
1: Oh my god! Oh my god! I don't know whether we. Yeah. No,
0: because my mate um, Aaron Castley Stewart, he's the kind of uh, he does the programming for it.
1: Oh my god! I just think that the piece- email
0: me off email me offline, and I'll I'll uh, I'll ask him.
1: Oh my god! I mean, I just think that it's just so wonderful for Halifax that the Peace all has just become this like it's I incredible. It's, it's just it, come out of nowhere, and it's it's. It's it's just wonderful for the town. I think it's just it's just lovely for us. Yeah, it's
0: changing the perception of Halifax yeah. completely. Yeah,
1: and they've done like they've done filming there now. You know, they've done like I... the it's just ace.
0: Okay, Sarah. Next question, which is the song that makes you cry? Oh God! Most? Or one of them.
1: Oh, there's loads. Yeah, um, I think the live version of Troy by Sinéad O'Connor, but also bit of a curveball but Romeo and Juliet by die Straits <laughs> because his voice is just so like it's like really flawed but really honest and it's, oh,
0: like, it's good I think
1: and it's just like it's so beautiful it's such a beautiful song and that yeah that when he goes Juliet when we made love you used to cry and it's just like, oh my god it's just it's absolutely gorgeous so Chris
2: yeah I'm I know that later on the day I'm going to think it was the, the real answer to this question and I'm going to regret that it's not at the end of the tip of my tongue. The last time I remember crying it's kind of embarrassing to a a, a song um, not that long ago one of the dads from school was it was in amateur dramatics and there was a performance of Cats at Newcastle Theatre Royal and uh, oh. and the woman who was doing the Elaine Page bit did uh, Memories and I'm sitting there trying not to you know <laughs> hoping that my, my kids aren't looking at me whilst I'm trying <laughs> It's just something about it. You know, oh. it really got me. It was like, wow, this—that song is incredible. You know, like it's—we need one of those. You know,
0: wow. it's a beautiful melody. I agree. Yeah. yeah. For some reason it reminds me. I can just imagine uh, Big Reef singing it. on Reeves, yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah.
1: I I think know that's the mean. way to stop you crying over it. I know. <laughs> 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 i
0: know that. Um. Yeah. Okay, so whose turn is it? Uh, favorite? Do you, right. Uh, let's start with Sarah this time. Um, do you like visual art? I mean, do you, are you a fan of? Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Yeah. Who's your favorite visual or conceptual artist?
1: I like Rothko as far as painting is concerned. And as far as drawing goes, I like Egon Schiele. I like the way that he beautiful. does it, And I like Klimt as well. I went, um, when I was uh, in Client, I got a lot of time looking around museums because I wasn't drinking anymore. And uh, I got a lot of time to sort of enjoy the days. And we went to the um, the Klimt mu- the, the Museum in Vienna where he painted all the ceiling. And that oh, was, beautiful. Oh, God, it was just phenomenal. It was amazing. Brilliant. Chris?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, I do, I, I do enjoy uh, visual arts. When I was living in London, um, and I, I missed this actually. I, you know, I had a membership at the Tate and stuff, and I, I used to spend a lot of time down there. And I remember taking a. My- my daughter, uh, Poppy when she was very small, to like the Gilbert and George exhibit. Oh, <laughs> but, uh, oh, oh you know, that's
0: interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, that's you know, <laughs> her cultural development.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, but I mean, there's lots of primary colours and like these big faces and stuff. I mean, she absolutely was giggling away, loving it. I, I hopefully, I'd like to think that the the excrement sort of went over her head a bit. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. But I mean, in terms of uh, regular, you know, I mean, I, I love Edward Hopper. I really, I really love Edward yeah. Hopper. Um, but yes, I
0: mean, I, I like a bit of visual arts. Yeah. I, the, the reason I and uh, people go, why are you asking that question? I go, as far as I'm concerned, all the creativity is connected. Absolutely, with, with our minds, and I yeah. can be inspired. I mean, when I've got a few hours off, I go down to the tape, you know,
2: mm.
0: and, uh, either Britain or modern, and and just yeah. absorb shit for a while. You yeah. know, it doesn't have to be new exhibitions or anything. I go around the regional collections as well. Mm. Uh Turner you know I'm a big used, oh yeah I've been in Venice for nearly 30 years so like the way he captured the light there and, oh wow yeah. they,
2: they, they still got the Turner room with the tape they used to have a yeah, great yeah 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 I remember although there, a lot of it
0: goes there. out on tour you know to yeah places but anyway um this is a good one uh let's start with Chris um an epiphanal moment in your life a moment of realization, or handbrake turn, or a fork in the road that you decided to take one direction or another.
2: Yeah, okay. A but, big
0: jump in development. Okay,
2: you know? yeah. This is this is a this is a big one. It's quite sensitive. Uh, when I was about, four uh, oh crumbs. About seven. When I started playing the guitar, when I was about seven. I actually started making animated films at the same time. And um, I, I oh. used to, I, I remember I got this, asked my mum to get me this second hand, it was quite cheap, a Canon 310XL camera because it did the stop frame thing. And I used to make cartoons or animate plasticine models. I could have quite easily got into that. I, there was something appealed to me about it as, as a young person. But, but you know, the guitar, you know, I loved music and I was playing that a lot. When I, then, so fast forward to when I'm about 11, I had this really unfortunate experience yeah, and sorry to make it all dark and everything but like uh I, I, basically i found my grandmother's uh, body dead body in my oh, bedroom yeah. one morning it sort of blew my head open but it was so that's like 1984 and so I, i'm already been playing the guitar for about four years but i that's when i realized that, that how music is a really powerful painkiller and you know they basically it can take your bad feelings and turn them into good ones so i found myself going straight towards music i was frightened to look up from the guitar for a long time and of the record player you know i really so that's when that seemed to be like this kind of uh catalyst a catalyzing wow. moment because it, it it's like with music you can kind of you can give it your darkness and it'll reward you with some light. You know, it's it, I, I found that it, that's when I knew that that was what I was going to be about, you know, as much as I power, really enjoyed the film stuff.
0: Yeah, the power, thanks for sharing that, the power of creativity is a lesson for us all, you know. Yeah. As a, no, I mean, it's a bit selfish to go, well, it's a medicine, but actually, yeah. you know, the the knowledge that you're sharing, whatever is inside you, using whatever means possible, with the world and having the bravery to do it takes the the trigger for that can take all sorts of forms like that, you know? Um, anyway, yes. Brilliant. Uh, Sarah.
1: Wow. Well,
0: I know, beat that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I can't, mine just sounds horribly self-centered now, but I I just remember I was always very sort of, I'm not the most confident person about writing lyrics. And I remember when I, I wrote client and that was about, I was basically being, I was, unemployed and sort of being forced to look at job interviews and I was like but I'm I'm in a band and they're like yeah I'm an astronaut and you know it was that that kind of thing and and I just remember looking through all the job advertisements and writing you know we satisfaction guaranteed that came from a, a job interview through a window cleaner, anyway, I was writing, compiling this list, and 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 then I just started singing it, and then fast forward a, a couple of years, and a guy, there was a guy who got in touch from Germany, and he said he wanted to use do an exhibition on the whole around pinned around the whole song client, which yeah. was it was a real thrill. It was just like so, it was such such a a validation for me because it was. You know, he, he loved it. He was just like clients as a marketing tool, and we went and we we, we actually played a show, and and then he did this presentation around it, and he, he he wrote this whole thesis about this this song, and um yeah, I just remember it was really really it was in middle of summer in this non air conditioned room in this white cube in Munich. In this That's market. great, though, isn't it? I mean, and, it's
0: lovely to. Yeah, no, I I mean, you know, I think everybody goes through periods of lack of confidence in their own creativity and, you know, certainly young people suffer from that a lot. I mean, I've done a lot of teaching of young people and uh, confidence is the big kind of magic.
1: We, we need to problem. nurture our creatives, not take them for granted.
0: You know. Oh, totally. Well, yeah, exactly. That's another political thing. Anyway, now, final question, um, and this time to Sarah. What's your favourite synthesiser? I
1: like the Novation Biss.
0: Okay. Do you write bass lines?
1: No, but I just like, I, 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 remember, I remember when we were doing Client and we were doing Overdrive and that synth was used and I just remember playing around with it and, have, and really enjoying it. And um, that was the song that Martin Gore wrote a part for and he, he that was the first thing that he'd written in his, when he'd started um, trying to record things himself in his home studio, apparently. And uh, Andy said, write him a letter. So I wrote, so I wrote Martin a letter, and I didn't hear anything back. And then about ten days later, this vocal part came winging its way over over email, and it was like, oh my goodness! And we, we put it into the song, and it was like,
0: ooh, ooh. oh, oh. Nice. That was really
1: nice. That was really so. Oh. So that that synth has very happy memories for me.
0: Good.
1: Chris, yeah, I
2: mean, it, it's funny when we were doing the one album, the one before last. Um, we used a, a Juno 106 on, yeah, yeah. on that record like quite a bit, mm. yeah. And and I realized it was it was like a, a desert island keyboard because it, you know it has all the analog and the digital hybrid benefits. But it just it just seemed very versatile. Even, even I, I'm not I'm not brilliant with synthesizers, but even I could get nice sounds out of it. And I think because just like as a as a guitarist, I always try I I, I lean towards textures and colors rather than beeps and squiggles for instance mm-hmm. and when, when I'm looking for a, a synthesizer sound I do find myself drawn to what like that sort of mid-80s p- period I kind of like nice big pad sounds that just fizz a little bit around the edges but it's kind of got depth and texture and and I realized when we were doing that album that that Juno was because we had a Juno 60 in the, in the 90s in, in the lineup and which was Pretty good, but this this hundred and six really. So I thought that's this
0: is my k- keyboard. It you know? was used on a lot of uh, kind of electronic soul stuff in the eighties. Yeah, um, but I've only just realized. I mean, obviously, I ask this question to everyone, so I've got a massive database of answers. Yeah. And um, the one that I've come to realize over the last nearly two hundred episodes that I really want to spend more time with. And, you know, I, I was lucky enough to work with uh, Vince Clark, who's got every fucking synthesizer on it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, is the Yamaha CS80. <laughs> that For the reason that that was featured probably on more pop hits in <laughs> the 80s than any other synthesizer. But it right. was a beast, you yeah. know, a beast and huge fucking thing. I never wanted that in my studio. It would have taken the whole studio, to be honest. But, um, yeah. Anyway, thank you. What an amazing interview this has been. Thank you. A great, thank you. Great delight for me personally. And um, what have you got coming up next?
2: Well, that's a good question. I mean, I, I've been writing a lot. Um, for some reason, winter's just a very uh, fertile time for me in terms of songwriting. So I'm starting to amass like a, a body of songs um, which I'm going to start drip feeding. Well, I've started drip feeding to Sarah uh, for some kind of feedback. Um, Have you said
1: so- anything back yet? We did like the little Christmas thing, but the, uh, now that Christmas is over, I'm going yeah. to uh, get the computer back up and running again, the old microphone. Well, the world
0: needs yeah. more of your songs, definitely. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Um, and Sarah, what are you up to? <laughs> thank you.
1: Waiting to receive the songs. <laughs>
0: oh, okay. So, so some dispute. there. You heard it live. This is where the latest version of dubstep splits up again. Okay. So <laughs> no, um, no,
1: sorry. I'm, I'm DJing actually. I, I, I'm. A, oh, yeah. I'm. i DJed for ages, and uh, yeah, I've got um, Robert Girls coming over.
3: And oh. I'm gonna, really?
1: Yeah, he's, he's he's doing a little little book thing, and I'm going to just play some tunes at that. So oh, I'm that's nice. So back in. So yeah.
0: Well, crack on with the songwriting. I look forward to hearing what you come up with next.
1: All right, guys. Happiness. Thank you. I
0: hope to meet you in the flesh at some point. That'd be nice. That'd That'd be great. Yeah. All right. Thank you.
1: Take care.
0: Bye. Bye. That was Chris and Sarah from Dubstar. Lovely people. Very easy to get on with. You know, done a lot of stuff and had a significant number of hits. Done a lot of touring with big bands. Um, as I mentioned, I saw a client performing with Erasure. Very impressed uh, with Sarah's voice and with Chris's songwriting. And um, yeah, I've never met them, but I would like to. So that's coming up in the future. How is everyone? It's mid, mid to late January. I'm off to Lapland shortly, which will be a first for me. It'll be the most northernmost point I've ever been in my travelling life. And I've been to a lot of places, Um, hoping to see the Northern Lights for the first time. I'm going to be writing a book about my experiences, the stuff that I've learned from doing all these podcasts. the amazing stories. It's going to be called Adventures in the Electroverse, which is also the title of a 3D sound exhibition I'm doing in New York in May. And um, to give me time to do that, because we're not in lockdown like I was for my autobiography, um, I'm going to... Start spreading out the interviews that I'm doing to every two weeks so people understand. Um, If you want to support keeping this podcast free and independent and advert-free, please go to patreon.com stroke electronically hours for the price of a coffee or a pint of beer per month, which is nothing. You can help me break even, at least, on on, uh, the production of this podcast. And um, you'll also get special stuff special interviews exclusive access and also uh, more direct access to me and various uh, exciting competitions etc um, if you just want to email me it's Martin at gmail.com that's it for this week another great guest next week bye bye um Mike Westcom. Hi, Martin. DJ Shadow's new single sounds like early human league. Thank you. From Mike Wescombe. Travelog Constantinople. What the hell does that mean? Uh, Next one is Mr. Whatever on the 23rd of the 8th.
3: I've got a guest suggestion from Mike Westcombe here. Have you? Go on then. Hi, Martin. I found myself on a Susie and the Banshees journey one evening this week, starting very randomly watching her at this year's Latitude Festival on YouTube. She was great, but I've always been curious about the guitar playing with whoever she's working with, especially the Banshees. Of course, I regard regard John McGeoch as maybe one of the best, if not the best guitar player to come out of the punk scene. You've worked with him, or I think Glenn has. But my main reason to contact you is to suggest John Klein, Banshee's guitarist, 87 to 91. After a quick wiki read-up, I thought straight away of your show. He's done a lot before and since his Banshee's stint. Sounded like he, he would have a lot to talk about with you. Anyway, cheers for now. Great Thanks show for that suggestion. Always. Yeah, I'll put that one down. <coughs> Thanks, Mike.
0: Okay. This is Mr. Whatever. Um, Hi, Martin. Loving the podcast. Catching up listening to them. As a big Prince fan, particularly love the pods with Jam and Lewis, Dr. Fink and Morris Hayes. Recently saw you with M17 at the Devil's Arse Cave near Sheffield. Great gig as ever. Most memorable thing was I was right at the front and it looked like your keyboard player was about to have her baby any time. Well, she's had her baby now. It's called (laughs) Alessandro. And Alessandro came on tour with us uh, no recently, yeah. And That's it's cool. beautiful. It's nice. beautiful. I got into electronic music in the seventies, into eight bit eight bit computers, Sinclair, Commodore, Acorn. A lot of my school friends were into computers since scene uh eighties since scene, Hem seventeen, soft cell, depeche mode, etc. I wonder if there's a link between early 70s, 80s computer scene and electronic music scene at the same time. I suppose so. Uh, A lot of my friends went on to write computer games like FIFA, etc. I went on to be an IT consultant. We used to meet up in Manchester in the early 80s, go and visit computer shops and music shops. None of us became pop stars like you. Mm -hmm. Um, Just bought your autobiography. Looking forward to reading that. Suggestions for the pod Tears for Fears I, it'd be interesting to talk to them I've always kind of had an admiration for I love Tears for Fears um, Susan Rogers Prince's producer in the 80s at Sunset Sounds uh, Andreas Volenvider Swiss harpist who used a modified electroacoustic harp of his own design Clannard interesting anyways continue the good work Really will enjoy music and pods